the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're ready to roll on this Monday, the 31st and final morning of the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2022. Boy, January is uh, going out with a bang, isn't it? January has been a bang for the last half of the month, really. They uh, they took it easy on us, they being the gods of Mother Nature, or just God, I guess, if you want. Uh, nothing in December, and then my, oh, my, have we paid for it in these last couple of weeks. But uh, we are warm and cozy here inside uh, AM 1420, The Answer Studios, and we are appreciative of you being here with us. Coming up in a half an hour, we're going to talk to Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday. Congressman Jordan is going to address a whole host of issues, uh, of which, uh, which are very important to him. We're going to talk to Congressman Jordan about uh, sending U.S. troops to Eastern Europe. Is that really the right plan of action? Because Joe Biden has said that is something that is going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, we're going to talk about whether or not Vladimir Putin is baiting Joe Biden and winning because Joe Biden is a simpleton. That is certainly a, po- a possibility as well. Jim Jordan will talk about affirmative action in choosing a replacement for Justice Stephen Breyer and whether or not using affirmative action is good for America or not. We'll talk about the Canadian convoy to protest vax mandates and how is it, this is going to be part of the monologue in a few minutes, how is it that Canadians are out-freedoming, that's right, I just made that a new verb, how are they out-freedoming the United States? How did we not think of this first? How do we not have thousands and thousands and thousands of trucks in a convoy 45 miles long on the way to Washington, D.C., jamming things up and showing them that this is unacceptable to the American people? It's unacceptable to our middle class and our lower middle class, those who have needs, those whose shelves are empty, those who, are, who cannot get products, food, medication, all kinds of things in a timely manner. 
all because of vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates that, quite frankly, have been decided by the Supreme Court are unconstitutional, and more importantly, have decided by simple observation are useless. Because the profit shots are useless. The shots just don't work. Can't say it any more plainly than that. Can they reduce symptoms in some people? Sure. Do they stop the spread of COVID? Do they stop being infected? Does it stop you from infecting someone else? Not a lick. Which is why they then push, go take another one, will you please? We think it's going to work this time. I don't want to get into all the details right now. But the vax mandates in Canada are being pushed back upon by Canadian truckers. And they they 45 miles outside of Ottawa, thousands of trucks uh, blockading, uh, you know, the highways and so forth, all in a message to Justin Trudeau. Did he receive it? We'll talk to Jim Jordan about that, and I'll have some thoughts on it in my, uh, in my monologue in a moment. We'll also talk about whether or not um, the Department of Justice using racial discrimination in COVID-19 treatment policies is constitutional, and whether it is... It's whether or not it's right. I can't say it another way. I shouldn't have to say it at all. If there was an American policy that was going to push people of one color to the front of the line in the race to get treatments like monoclonal antibodies, and that race was white that got pushed to the front of the line, and black people or other minorities with worse conditions got pushed to the back of the line, I think we know what would happen in this country, and rightfully so. There would be outrage. There would be a mass protest. There would be a pushback. There would probably be fighting in the streets over it. There would certainly be protests that turn into riots, that turn into destruction, and so forth. Because it would be wrong. Can I say that more clearly? It would be wrong to prioritize one race over another when it comes to getting treatments for uh, a virus that is considered deadly to some people, meaning it is deadly to some people, but it is not deadly for all, as we all know the statistics. But the point being, the federal government is allowing certain states to push this with their blessing, to push this uh, one race over another when it comes to getting these treatments, and that race just happens to be the reverse It happens to be African-Americans first in line, whites with more serious medical conditions and a greater need for the medications. Too bad, because racial justice. Jim Jordan will have thoughts on that coming up as well. So all of that with Jordan at 935, and we will talk about it with you as the morning goes. 216-901-0945. By the way, if you couldn't figure that out, Jim Jordan is my only guest today. That means plenty of phone call time for you. Sometimes we pack the show with guests, sometimes not as much. And when we do the not as much, that means you are the guests. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. want to get you on board on the radio program. Now, before we start talking about the biggest news of the day, what do you say we stand up, patriots? Rise with us, if you would, please. Put your hand on your heart. Face a flag if you have one nearby and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a Brandon supporter, if you are a Brandon voter, if you are a Vax Mandate supporter, if you oppose liberty, if you support racial discrimination in court appointments, if you support racial discrimination in COVID treatments, chances are you don't want to join us for this, so go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. 
As for the rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much, everyone, for doing that with us each and every day, wherever you may be. And thank you for letting me know that it means something to you. By the way, if I start going around to uh, speaking engagements and uh, going into public places where I meet people who know me and they stop thanking me for the Pledge of Allegiance and they tell me stop doing that, I'm not going to be standing with this. It's kind of annoying and it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird and it's kind of cheesy because I'm all by myself in my living room. I'm not going to be standing up to do a Pledge of Allegiance anymore. If people start telling me that, well, then I promise you that I will change absolutely nothing and do the Pledge of Allegiance anyway. It just so happens that I know it means a lot to a lot of people. So there you go. I do want to start with the truckers because this is something that should be an American story. Truckers lined up for 45 miles headed into Ottawa to protest the extraordinary fascist um, leader of Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is, I mean, he is a leftist in the mold of AOC. He's a leftist in the mode of Bernie Sanders. He's a leftist in the mode of Barack Obama. He's a leftist in the mode of Kamala Harris. He's a leftist in the mode of what Joe Biden is becoming. That bad. And he is ruling in Canada with an iron fist. So much so that businesses there are being destroyed. Liberties there are gone. And truckers aren't able to do their jobs because of this ridiculous rule that has been put in place by Trudeau. And this is what they have been pushing back against. The, the story is this, preventing free and open movement to and from Canada, bringing goods into their country through the United States, perhaps from Mexico, perhaps from ports uh, on the Pacific, coming up through the United States and into Canada, into Canada, it is integral, of course, to their economy. It's integral to their supply chain, which makes perfect sense, of course. But what Justin Trudeau has done, has made it incredibly difficult for people to move uh, in and out of the country and thus for goods to move in and out of the country, particularly truck drivers and the goods they carry in their loads. So the truck drivers decided to send a message, and it's an important message. The truckers went to Ottawa to peacefully protest the vaccine mandates put in by Trudeau after Trudeau said on Wednesday this about his fellow citizens this past Wednesday. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa and who are holding unacceptable views that they are expressing do not represent the views of Canadians, end quote. Wow, how about that? Justin Trudeau knows how many people in Canada feel the way he does and how many do not. He knows what the uh, minority is, and he knows what views are acceptable and unacceptable. Hmm. That's an interesting thing for a free nation. See, this is one of the reasons why, by the way, in the United... This is an aside. I'll come back to the story in a second. This is just an aside. It's one of the reasons why I talk to you all the time about the United States of America is not the only free nation in this world. We're not the only free nation in the Western Hemisphere. We're not the only free nation uh, that, that you know prizes liberty almost overall. But there are no nations that do it the way we do it. 
there are limitations of expression. There are limitations of, of ability to speak out against government tyranny in virtually every other country. Freedom is not universal. In, in many, even of the Western democracies or Western allied nations, Western European, that is, um, you know, that, that we call allies, it's not the same way as it is here. It's one of the reasons why we have risen to become what we are, the greatest force for good in the history of humankind. It's one of the reasons why people leave those Western European nations, not to mention nations from all over the world, from virtually every continent, to come to the United States because they know this is a place where they can be free for real. Live free, speak freely, protect themselves freely, and on down the line. It's extraordinarily important. Even our neighbors to the north do not share the same types of liberties that they do. They're, they have, or that we do rather, they have unacceptable views, or rather unacceptable views, that the government can smack down. We have free speech, free expression in this country. Freedom of assembly, and on and on and on. It's one of the reasons why I work with Citizens for Free Speech. I'm the Ohio director of the Ohio chapter of Citizens for Free Speech to protect that which makes us different. They don't have that in Canada. Anyway, Trudeau knew how many people were heading his way. He knew it was not a small fringe minority of people. He, in fact, knew that the movement was so enormous, backing up for 45 miles. Think about how many trucks it takes to do that. Thousands and thousands of people protesting. In that, in that um, uh, convoy, not just the truckers, but those along the sides of the road in the dead of winter to cheer those trucks on. It's not a small minority of people, but Justin Trudeau said they're going to be silenced anyway. This before he fled his home and went to an undisclosed location as the convoy reached Ottawa. It's incredible, but the policies are putting pressure on truck drivers whose trade all of these businesses rely upon. So this large, and, and, and the ridiculous policy, of course, that was put in place is if you leave Canada and go somewhere else and want to come back into Canada, you're going to have to quarantine. And in, other, in other words, not make money, not d- deliver another load, not get on the road and add more miles. You're going to be quarantined on your way back in, regardless of your vax status, regardless of your uh, COVID test status. It's simply impossible to defend or justify. And so the Canadians got together and said, we are going to protest this. And again, that, that group is, was in the thousands and 45 miles long. I ask kind of, you know, half-heartedly, but not really. I kind of mean it. How did Canada beat us to this? American stores have been suffering with empty. I went grocery shopping with my wife yesterday. I normally don't. And that's not because I'm a male chauvinist who says the woman's supposed to do the shopping. My wife doesn't like me to come because she said when I come with her grocery shopping, the bill gets too big. And she's right because I'm impulsively impulsively grabbing this, that, and the other thing off the shelves. But I went with her on Sunday for reasons that don't matter. And she was right. She always tells me, "You got Bob, you wouldn't believe what these freezer cases look like. You wouldn't believe what these refrigerator sections look like. And even you know some of the regular dry goods. And she's right. It's just empty. And we went to two different grocery stores for two different you know, sets of things. And she's right. We have been dealing with this now for weeks. And it's in large part due to COVID vaccination policies put in place by either Biden with, with mandatory uh, um, uh, vaccine or vaccine mandates, rather, or different states like California that have become so onerous 
to drivers, they cannot go in and get out of California because of the similar type of Canadian rules. And so we got ships, as you know, for, for weeks were backed up by the hundreds outside of American ports. And then when they are able to get those uh, cargo ships docked, and unloaded, then they can't get them on trucks because there aren't enough trucks because truckers don't want to be vaccinated to sit in their cab all day long by themselves. Surprised they're not making them wear masks in their cabs by themselves as well. So this has been happening here, and the question is, is why hasn't it happened, talking about the, the convoy, why hasn't that happened as well? Why didn't we beat the Canadians to that? And regardless of who got there first, my question is, and I'll ask Jim Jordan about this, when will it happen here? When will we get thousands of truckers lined up, perhaps in, in, in California, and make that cross-country haul from L.A. to D.C., adding more trucks to the convoy across middle America every step of the way, and get to D.C. and tell Joe Biden and tell all of the governors across all of the states that they're going to pass through that have these ridiculous mandates, enough. We're tired of the fear-mongering. We're tired of the propaganda. We're tired of the restrictions on our freedom. We are free here, and we do not have to take profit jabs. Particularly, first of all, we shouldn't have to do it if we let a dance troupe filled with arenas of a bunch of people, much less sitting in our own cabs as we drive across the country. We are free to do that. So I'm hoping that is something that is coming next. All right, I'm going to take a time out here. I've got a lot of news for you today. Don't forget Jim Jordan coming up now in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, but we've got all kinds of news. We want you to be a part of it at 216-901-0945, Always right, AM 1420, The Answer. ally of a free people is the truth. Because the truth often poses a threat to power. Always right with Bob France. Truth is the most important value we have. On AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 926. The uh, political establishment still processing what happened to Justice Stephen Breyer and what's happening to replace Justice Stephen Breyer. Not only only the political establishment, but I think Main Street America is watching this very, very closely as well. How did all of this work out for Joe Biden? Joe Biden was, and I think still continues to be, dying a very slow, painful administrative death. His administration is in shambles. His polls and approval rating continue to plummet, dropping further and further with every passing week. And he needed something to get him out of this freefall as he took one legislative loss after another, after another, after another, one Supreme Court decision after another, after another, what could happen to try to turn this thing around for him? Well, the answer came with the resignation, or the retirement, rather, of Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. But don't take my word for it. Take the word of Chuck Todd? Yeah. Chuck Todd. And a good Sunday morning. Just last week, we said President Biden was in desperate need of a reset. His poll numbers are falling, in particular among African Americans. And there's real fear that Democrats' midterm hopes will be sunk by a lack of enthusiasm among the very voters who put Mr. Biden in office. And then just like that, Mr. Biden was thrown a lifeline with the news that Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer would indeed retire at the end of this term. President Biden vowed to keep his promise during the campaign that he would appoint an African-American woman to the first court opening he had. That could help with declining black support. 
Supreme Court hearings could also blunt that enthusiasm problem, serving as a reminder to Democrats that elections have consequences and they matter. And getting a Supreme Court nominee confirmed would give Mr. Biden a political win after the disappointments in the last few months of her voting rights and built back better. So what does all of that mean? What does this reset mean? What does this lifeline that Chuck Todd on Meet the Press is talking about really mean? It means the left conspired to destroy a decent man. Now, I was never going to be a champion or a cheerleader for uh, Stephen Breyer. He was a part of the Supreme Court's liberal bloc uh, and remains so, of course, until his retirement. Um, so I was never going to be a fan, never going to be a cheerleader, but I have deep respect for the man who was the senior, by the way, Supreme Court justice after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He elevated that to that position 28 years on the bench, and I have great respect for that service to the country, even if I don't, dis- don't agree with many, if not most, of his decisions. But what he was made him completely undeserving of the treatment he got from the American left. They all knew that Joe Biden was sinking. They all knew that Joe Biden and the entire Democratic platform and agenda was in serious trouble as we get closer and closer to November and the midterm elections. So the American left literally took it upon themselves to have another high-tech lynching. Probably not the most appropriate phrase because Stephen Breyer isn't Clarence Thomas. Stephen Breyer is white. But they did take him and make him the centerpiece of their uh, 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 campaign to revive the Biden presidency and the Democrat agenda. It was a remarkable push. This is the Washington Post, believe it or not. It was a remarkable public push on the uh, on the political left to pressure Breyer, the court's oldest justice and one of its three liberals, to retire while Democrats controlled the White House and the Senate and make way for a younger nominee installed by Biden. Activists were motivated by the experience of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, or excuse me, yeah, the experience of, Ju- experience of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the liberal icon who died in 2020 and was replaced by President Donald Trump with conservative Amy Coney Barrett. The campaign was carried out by various groups and politicians, not always acting together, but with some delivering their messages far more discreetly than others. They culminated with Breyer's announcement that he would step down after serving since 1994. The ghosts of nominations passed hung over Breyer's deliberations. Many Democrats may recall how President uh, Barack Obama was stymied before the 2016 election by Republicans who refused to hold hearings on Merrick Garland. Then there was Ginsburg, the experience of her remaining on the bench throughout Obama's presidency and denying Democrats the opportunity to fill her seat with a younger liberal, only to pass in the waning weeks of the Trump presidency, caused many Democrats to rethink how forcefully they would press for Breyer to retire. And so the campaign began, and I'm going to have to cut this short because I've got a news break here and we've got Jim Jordan coming, but multiple liberal groups then spent the next uh, really, for the, for the better part of the last 12 months, while Biden was in office and the Democrats hold for the next 10 months the Senate, uh, they were going to spend all of this time pushing Breyer out the door, off of the court. Get out now, or we will make you get out. They intimidated him. They embarrassed him. They bullied him. Because he's 83 and they're afraid that if he retires in the next two years, after Republicans gain control of the Senate this November, that they would not be able to have their far-left lunatic of choice. So what they did to Stephen Breyer was virtually criminal. Of course, what else can they do, considering the entirety of the Democrat Party is criminal? We'll talk about that and more with Jim Jordan next. Always right, AM 1420, The Answer. 
fire of the American dream. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 937. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer. It is a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for our regular conversation, our weekly conversation with Congressman Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Mr. Jordan, hope you had a good weekend. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine, Bob. Hope you had a, hope you had a good weekend as well. Well, it's good. We got one, one Ohio team in the, in the, uh, Super Bowl, so that was a great game. But you yeah, know, we had a good week. you know, you've got to do that. I don't. I, the, screw the Bengals. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> they're the enemy, man. They're and you know what's worse? Yeah. They're one of the few teams that has never won a Super Bowl like the Browns. I don't want another one yeah. to beat us to that promised land. Yeah. Uh, so it's, <laughs> heck with that, man. Well, you got to like Joe Burrow. You got to like this comeback. I do. The team, and uh, you know, I still remember the last time. I remember. Uh, well, I want to say eight. I'm trying to vote year eighty two. I don't. I, Tim Crumrod. I remember Tim Crumrod because he's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. And uh, you know when Tim 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 actually broke his he wrestled for the Badgers before I got there, but I I know Tim a little bit. And uh, um, his leg. Remember his leg got broken. It was a crazy play, and it was oh, it was terrible to see. Yeah. His but, foot was uh, like flapping in the breeze. I mean, that's how bad oh, his ankle, terrible. Got, yeah, ankle terrible. got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, look, I'm, I'm happy for you know for Joe Burrow. I do like Joe Burrow. But for Bengals fans, sorry, I'm not going to celebrate with you while you beat us to the Super Bowl <laughs> and maybe to a victory. It's just not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not having it. So, anyway, all right, Congressman, let's get into some more important issues here. Um, I was just discussing this before you came on. Uh, we'll talk about this selection to replace Stephen Breyer in a moment. I just want to talk about what the left did to this man. Um, I, I'm never going to be a fan of his from a standpoint of his decisions. I'm going to disagree with most of them uh, as part of the liberal bloc, but he was the yeah. senior justice, uh, 28 years of service to the country on that court, and the way he was treated by the American left with this massive campaign to force him out uh, and on many different fronts, by the way, uh, to force him out before November, before the Republicans can take over the Senate, and thus perhaps you know maybe limit the type of radical that Joe Biden could appoint to replace him. What they did to him was almost criminal. That's not how I, I always thought the court was supposed to be, or the courts, the judiciary in general, were supposed to be independent, not politically partisan. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the left. It shouldn't surprise us one bit. Uh, I remember I said on a speech in the House floor about a year ago, uh, I, was, I was talking about the woke mob and the cancel culture out there. And I said, don't think that the woke mob will stop with conservatives and Republicans. They will come after everybody in the end because it's about power. It's about control. It's about what they want politically. And, and I remember at that time I used the example of Senator Dianne Feinstein because they said in San Francisco, the Dianne Feinstein Elementary, they had to change the name because even Dianne Feinstein wasn't good enough because she said something like 40 years ago that wasn't quite woke enough for the crowd today. So you knew they were going to do this to Justice Breyer. They, this is just how the left operates. And, uh, of course, they were successful. They pushed him out. And now they'll, they'll, they'll probably try to put some other, uh, you know, far left uh, uh, person on the court. And it looks like they're going to limit their choices to certain certain segment of the American population. It seems like to me, if you're going to put someone on the highest court in the land, you should look at the entire population. But uh, that doesn't seem to be what they're going to try to do. Well, that's part B of what I wanted to ask you about this uh, situation. Um, you know, Joe Biden is in very serious trouble with, with African-American voters. Uh, his numbers have plummeted all across all demographics, and quite frankly, across all uh, ideological demographics, yeah. too, independents and even Democrats. His numbers are plummeting. Uh, but particularly among minorities. And so many believe that what he is doing now in keeping his promise that he made during the campaign uh, is to essentially paint himself as being a champion for social justice and a champion for Black Lives Matter or the black movement, etc. 
But I, I want people to remember this, uh, Congressman, and I want you to respond to it. Back when he was the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Joe Biden led the campaign against mm-hmm. this man who Claire. said this. Yep. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. He, he essentially led the, uh, the campaign to stop one of the most qualified people, I, don't, yeah. I won't say men or women, black or white, people, period, to ever be nominated for that court. Um, and this was not that long ago. It was in the 1990s. And now I think he's trying to reinvent himself. As I've always been a champion for uh, uh, equality and, and equity and so on and so forth for, for minorities. This is solely to appease black voters and perhaps more specifically Jim Clyburn. You say what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it's, and, it's, and it also shows that it's not about, not about who, uh, who's going to make the best jurors. I mean, I mean, what they did to Clarence Thomas, I mean, that, that was one of those moments in American history. Uh, I know sometimes in, on your on your show you play in, you play Reagan's great statements and when Reagan was giving those some of those amazing speeches and that was one of those moments where you saw this was a good man a a a, a good man stating the truth and he's been a tremendous justice I mean which I wish we had I wish we had all everyone in the court was like Clarence Thomas he's so good um, so yeah it, it shows Joe Biden I mean, that's that's Joe Biden that's the left it, 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 again none of this should surprise us. Um, uh, I, I I just wish what there were there were eight other people in the court who were like Clarence Thomas. I mean he is he has been just tremendous, um, tremendous jurist. And uh, yeah, but but Joe Biden's going to do what he do. But but to your point, uh, you said Joe Biden's lost uh, lost um, approval with 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 African Americans. That's because well, under President Trump, African Americans had real wage growth. Their lives were better. All Americans' lives were better because President Trump's policies actually worked for this country and made America great again. Uh, unlike what we see now with Joe Biden, because everyone, everyone who got a raise in 2021, it really wasn't a raise because it wasn't enough to offset the 40-year high inflation and all the crime in the streets and every, all the other problems that have been caused by the ridiculous policies of the Biden administration. No, you're, you're exactly right. But I just I find it amazing that, first of all, he's going to use affirmative action. And that's what it is. I know the left doesn't like that terminology, and maybe some on the right don't either. Because it's, but it's not meant to be insulting to his eventual pick. But the fact that he is limiting it to African-American females um, is, is affirmative action. He is saying super qualified white females need not apply. Super qualified black or white males need not apply. You must have the right chromosomes, and you must have the right shade of skin for me to even give you a consideration here that is specifically affirmative action coming from a man who not only did what he did to clarence thomas as we just talked about but he for two years filibustered janice rogers brown for two straight years uh, what he did was 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 try to stop her uh voted against her three times to to a US circuit court would have been the second black woman on a US circuit court and he tried to stop it over and over and over again I, again the the hypocrisy here that this man is some sort of champion for the minority uh population is it, it's it's laughable well it's the difference between it's the difference between the, the two parties where republicans think you should you, you people should be elected or chosen for positions based on 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 merit based on on their skill set uh, and, and frankly, I, I would love to have an African-American female in the court, uh, particularly if they were conservative. I think that would be great, uh, that would be the, the nominee if it were a conservative jurist, because I want people who are going to follow the Constitution, adhere to the Bill of Rights, respect the First Amendment, um, uh, uphold the First Amendment, which we've seen the left attack. So I don't care the color of the skin. I don't care if they're male or female. All I care about is 
do they respect the Constitution? Uh, that's what we should be focusing on. And frankly, I don't care if they all. Have, it seems like they all have to come from Harvard or Yale. Uh, I, I, I'd take someone from some from from some state school or something like that too. If someone wrote a piece on that today, it seems that uh, you know that everyone has to come from an Ivy League school. I don't necessarily think so. I think there's some great jurists who didn't come from Ivy League schools that could be on the court as well. But what I care about is how they how they look at the United States Constitution, how they look at the Bill of Rights, and particularly in today's world, how they view the First Amendment. We're talking with Congressman Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Let's pivot now to mandates and what happened over the weekend, which was simply astounding. You know, the supply chain disruption that we are all witnessing, it's affecting really all three nations on this continent and and perhaps Mm -hmm. in other places as well. But the Canadians have had enough. Justin Trudeau has been even more uh, uh, tyrannical, in my opinion, than, than Joe Biden has been with vaccine mandates. And over the weekend, 45 miles worth of trucks thousands of truckers and tens or hundreds of thousands of Canadian citizens lining the highways uh, on their way yeah. into into Ottawa, cheering and supporting them as they protected vaccine mandates that are stopping yeah. them from coming and going out of the country without having to quarantine for two weeks every time they cross a border. Um, two things. What was your impression of that? And number two, when's that going to happen here? When are we going to get an yeah. L.A. to D.C. convoy to tell Joe Biden <laughs> enough is enough? Yeah, you know, I, I just, I, it's like, I, I, you want to say, you know, God bless America, God bless Canada, because it's, it's one of those, one thing I know is pe- people, people deep down, the left is not the, even, the left's always about the double standard, but people deep down, particularly Americans, we hate being told what to do, and particularly hate being told what to do when it's not logical, when it's like, wait a minute, you, you, everything you've told us about this virus, you told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it, the vaccinated couldn't transmit it, you told us that it wasn't gain-of-function research being done in the lab, you told us, oh, no, it wasn't your tax dollars, oh, it didn't leak from the lab. Everything they've told us about this thing has turned out to be false, and, and now they continue to just dig in more. So Americans hate being told what to do, particularly when we can look at things and evaluate and see the facts. So I, I love what, what we're seeing here. For, I mean, think about that, 45 miles of trucks. That, that is unbelievable. But this is, this is what happens when you have the left continue to do their ridiculous thing and continue to – you saw – I saw uh, the news this morning. Gavin Newsom's at the, the NFC Championship game. And, uh, of course, walking around without a mask, even though he demands everyone else wear a mask when they're in any type of indoor facility. He was in, inside in the, in the restaurant there, it looked like, at the, at the stadium. So, uh, again, the double standard from these people, Americans have had it. Canadians have obviously had it. And I do think things are going to be moving in a more, uh, in a freedom direction uh, around this country as well. I certainly hope so. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I saw those pictures of Gavin Newsom with Magic Johnson, too. So apparently if you're a superstar yeah. athlete, a legendary, iconic figure in California, uh, and you're the governor of California, apparently COVID knows not to mess with you, so you have no need for masks. Uh, that's uh, COVID, is, COVID is very discerning in that regard. Speaking of COVID. Um, this is just beyond um, my comprehension as well. It kind of goes a little bit along with the Supreme Court story we were just talking about with respect to racial discrimination or racial favoritism. The Department of Justice is being questioned or at least being petitioned by many in various states whose governments have decided, including New York, that when monoclonal antibodies are available for treatment, they are going to be prioritized for African-Americans. African-Americans who test positive for COVID and want monoclonal antibodies treatment are first in line. Whites, including whites with worse health conditions who are much more in need of treatment right away, are going to get behind the line because equity, because uh, because of social justice. This is literally what their policies are. Should the DOJ take this up? 
what, what, what should happen is we should just treat people who need treatment. Let's just be fair. Let's be, let's, let's embrace freedom. Let's embrace equality like we're supposed to in this great country. I mean, I, this stuff just drives, I, well, not only drives me, it drives everyone nuts. So I, I don't get it. This is today's crazy left and their policies. So, yeah, the, but the Justice Department should be looking at all kinds of things. We, we can't get an answer from it. It's now, Bob, it's now been, I think, 100 and, like 101, 102 days since Merrick Garland came in front of the Judiciary Committee in the United States House of Representatives and told us that they were not spying on parents. They were not using uh, uh, in any way the Justice Department to go after mom's death. We know that's false. We know that's absolutely false. And we know that they, they, the Department of Education and the Biden administration used the, 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 got the letter to come from the, the school board association to initiate all that. So I'm so sick of the politics. Just treat people with the respect they deserve and follow the Constitution as we were just talking about. So, yeah, the Justice Department shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, tolerating this type of activity around the country. Um, and, and, and frankly, what they did to Florida, where, where the, the Biden administration said, we're going to cut off the, the, the supply on the monoclonal antibodies treatment that they were doing in Florida, makes no sense either, because that's based on politics, too, and not based on just common sense. Yeah, no, that's obvious. That that goes without saying. And I, and I've got more on that. I would like to ask you, but I know you're short on time, so I'm going to ask you one last question. And I want to go to Eastern Europe here because apparently so are 8,500 of our troops. Joe Biden first put them on heightened alert. Uh, not, then he said uh, a couple of days ago that he is going to be putting some of them in Eastern Europe uh, in the near future. Not exactly sure what that means or when. Is Putin baiting Joe Biden, and is Joe Biden? falling for that bait, taking that bait by sending troops over there? And how do you evaluate his response to this crisis of the well, Russian buildup on that Ukrainian border? I mean, it, in, in some ways, it, it, it would, if it wasn't so serious, it'd be humorous because, I mean, the, the big takeaway for me this past several days was the transcript, the call between. I mean, to think about this, uh, Bob. You got, you got the President of the United States, Joe Biden, talking with Zelensky, and there's 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 reporting coming out of that this call went terrible that that Joe Biden said things like that told supposedly told President Zelensky that your country is going to be sacked it's going to be taken and, and said those kind of things and then of course the White House comes out and says no we did it and then I think CNN had to take down the the the, the tweet or the statement that they put out there. So we called for, we called for days ago, release the transcript. I mean, think about it. It was just three years ago when they were like, you have to release the transcript, President Trump, the call you had. And it turned out the transcript was fine. But these guys won't do what Joe Biden himself demanded. So it just, again, shows how ridiculous this administration is on whether it's foreign policy or domestic policy. Um, I, I want them to release this transcript. I want to see. I want to see. The, the, the country needs to see, particularly when you're talking about Joe Biden's not going to be sending He's supposedly going to be sending American troops into Eastern Europe. Release this transcript. We want to know what you said to the president of Ukraine. I don't disagree with that at all, Congressman, and I think that's very important, uh, especially since there was CNN yep. reporting that was then you know contradicted by the White House, and then they yeah. pulled it down, et cetera. Yeah. I, I'm with you, but in, in an overall sense, though, have you formulated an opinion on how we should react if they do uh, invade, whether it's a minor incursion, as Biden said, or a major push if they invade Ukraine? Is it our business? Do we need to be over there or not? I think I think you got I, I think it's it's you got to be real careful about sending troops. Uh, certainly, you know, not sending troops into Ukraine for goodness sake. It, it seems to me that 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 you got to be really really nervous about anything like that. I think that yeah. uh, just makes common sense. That's where the American people are. But I think we've talked about this before. It goes to the fundamental point when you let it get to this stage, to this point. And you, you again. This comes down so much to the energy policy, the lack of, an, of a coherent energy policy from this administration. When you, when you let them have the pipeline, 
which they did, and then you do things to our energy supply, all that plays into the decision-making of a bad guy like Putin, who, who is, it was, this is why he is where he is. If you'd have stood up to him earlier like President Trump did, and, and, and put in the sanctions early and not give them this pipeline like, like, like the Biden administration did, we'd be in a much different position today. And that's the fundamental problem. And I think American people see that. And that's why you're seeing this reluctance from, from me and so many others, and frankly from the American people, about putting American troops over there. Yeah, I, I, I agree that we need to be very aware of what's going on there. I think sanctions can be appropriate as well. But no, I do not believe we need to have troops over there. I think that is, again, taking the bait that Vladimir Putin is uh, is holding out there for us. <laughs> Congressman Jim Jordan, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, hopefully soon to be the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. It's only 10 months away. Congressman, thanks so much. Thank you, Bob. Take care. All right, 954. We'll take a time out here. Come back. Guest free the rest of the way. That means the show is yours. I've got a ton of information I want to share with you. I've got audio I want to share with you, but I want to hear from you, too. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right. Right back. When the government is so bad, you just have to laugh. (laughs) Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. (laughs) That's just a little creepy. It's just a little weird. I didn't. I don't know what to make. What's that from, Johnny? Johnny builds all of our uh, little uh, fun rejoiners and intros. What, what's that from, Johnny? Kamala. That's Kamala. It sounded like a Vincent Price movie. Yeah, all of that was Kamala. That sounded. I swear to. Play it again. Play it again. I've heard Kamala's giggle. I've played Kamala's giggle numerous times on this program. That sounded like it came from a Vincent Price movie, like a horror, like a B-rated. Channel 43, now you're too young to remember this, but a Channel 43 Saturday afternoon uh, scary movie. That's what it sounded like. Go ahead. When the government is so bad, you just have to laugh. (laughs) Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. That's that echo effect. That's what it is. That's that echo effect. It makes it sound like a B movie. Uh, that we used to see on Saturday afternoons on Channel 43. Most of my listeners will get that reference. You young children today, Johnny, no disrespect, but you just turned 28, I think, a couple of days ago. Uh, you don't know Channel 43's Saturday afternoon movies. We didn't have 97,000 channels and 1,800 streaming services. We had four channels, really. Maybe five if Channel 61 was coming in pretty well that day. Anyway, uh, Tom is in Chesterland. Hi, Tom. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. Good morning, Tom. Uh, I, I wanted to, uh, I was thinking of being able to ask uh, uh, the, the congressman uh, why they haven't been able to take any legal action against uh, Biden over, over this time already. And, uh, uh, since for legal action for what? Uh, hold on a second there, Tom. Uh, be specific for me. Legal action for what? What, uh, what issue? Oh, what well, uh, say, for example, the fact that uh, back in... in uh, November, if I remember correctly, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a, uh, 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 an order to, to Joe Biden to return the southern border to President Trump's standards, and that's a quote that was in that writing, and uh, he has totally ignored it, and nobody is doing anything about it. You don't hear anything, of course, or the media won't tell us that. I don't, I don't think that's a billion percent true. Um, he reluctantly, reluctantly acknowledged after that that they were going to return to the state, remain in Mexico policy because of the court order. So I don't mm-hmm. think he ignored it, but then after just a few weeks or maybe a couple of months, 
Then he announced he was challenging that order by appealing it to another court. So they went ahead and um, you know took it took it out of play again. So I don't I don't think that's something you can really sue over. Uh, or try, and thank you for the call, my friend, or, or impeach over because I think he's using the appeals process. I don't think the Supreme Court. I got to go back and check. I, I, I know there was an order given to use the remain in Mexico policy that Trump had put in place, and I know that they originally said they would do that, but then there was another challenge, or maybe they they passed another law to um, or, or executive order rather to. Um, to get around that, but I think that's still a court battle that's going on right now. I'll see if I can double-check that during the break, but I appreciate your call, and guess what? I wish you were right. I wish we were doing more to hold Biden accountable for his sins. We'll talk more after this. AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.